Anything that is spooky. I'm a big fan of Halloween in general. It is my favorite holiday because there is absolutely no guilt involved. Halloween is just fun. Now, I admit I am uh, I'm prone to guilt. When I see a list of movies that are leaving Netflix at the end of the month, I sometimes think they're probably leaving because of something I did wrong. So there's some guilt issues. Regardless, I think most major American holidays have some rippling undercurrent of guilt in there, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine's, New Year's, Mother's Day, Arbor Day, for fuck's sake. The entire point of Earth Day is to shame us for being dicks to the planet we live on. That is a lot of guilt. But not Halloween. Halloween is just fun. It's an honest holiday because we all like monsters, We're all intrigued by dark and scary things, and we all like little fun-sized candy. We get to put on masks, go to other people's homes, and take their stuff. Halloween is basically a huge group of otherwise normal people role-playing an elaborate heist film, and I fucking love it. The only difference is that at the end, no one has to feel guilty. We just get to have fun, you monsters. And speaking of fun, Here's some stuff I got coming up that I think is fun. I'm doing a bunch of panels and a show at Stanley's Kamikaze on Halloween weekend. Uh, I'm particularly excited about a comedy quiz show I'm hosting called Attack of the Star Wars Comedy. It will be a bunch of fast-paced, absurd Star Wars questions answered by an awesome panel of funny humans, including Ken Knapsack, Mike Black, Audrey Kearns, and Hal Lublin. I'm also doing some stand-up sets around Los Angeles at Comedy Palace in Big Money Comedy soon, so check out all the info on those on my website at josephscrimshaw.com live dash shows. And if you like my jokes, but don't want to look at my face, I understand. You can buy my new album, Rebel Scum, available right now at josephscrimshaw.com as well. And now, with no further ado, join me as I travel to another dimension. A dimension of sound. And just sound. Because it's a podcast. There are no smells. Thank God there are no smells in podcasts. A dimension as vast as iTunes, and as limitless as a monthly bandwidth limit. A dimension that exists somewhere between performance and eavesdropping on a private conversation. You are stepping into Allegra Ringo's obsession with the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with an awesome person, Allegra Ringo. Hello. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Thank you so much for coming and doing this. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell the people listening a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, I am uh, also a podcast person. I uh, co-host Can I Pet Your Dog on Maximum Fun. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk about dogs today, but that is my primary obsession. So um, it's, a, it's a comedy podcast just about dogs. <laughs> That's pretty much it. <laughs> Um, I also write for Vice Magazine, nice. um, and I write for UCB Theater also. Awesome. Yeah, and this was great uh, when Allegra showed up. 
uh, the apartment here where I record. There were a bunch of dogs just surrounding you. Yeah, it was great. I was ambushed by dogs like the <laughs> second I stepped onto the street and it was the best. <laughs> do, do you feel like dogs know you? Do they sense I that you have do. a dog podcast? Well, they, they definitely sense that I'm like a dog psycho, as I like to say. <laughs> uh, I think they can tell there's like a crazy glint in my eye like down the street because I will sometimes like catch a dog's eye and we're like oh yeah like we want to hang out I feel like I, they can tell that I like want to pet them right that, that person's going to give us good attention yeah exactly like maybe talk about us on the podcast you know and they're LA dogs like they want to get their 15 minutes of fame so <laughs> maybe that's a dog casting director oh my god probably I would not put it past this town <laughs> <laughs> if that was an actual job it would probably is but would you ever want to do that would you want to be a dog casting director I guess it must be a job, huh? Yeah, dogs are in commercials. About that. They are. Yeah. I guess I. I don't know. It would depend how much that actually interacts with dogs. Yeah. Because if it's just looking at headshots of dogs all day, <laughs> although that actually sounds pretty hilarious, also. I'm picturing you trying to pet headshots. Yeah, I'd just be like, uh, I don't know. This this one, no, no way. Uh, I guess I would. That's a career I never considered, but maybe I should. <laughs> This is, I don't know how I never thought of this before. Yeah, well, look into it. It'll be great. Yeah, man. Uh, so thank you uh, for coming uh, and talking to me about dogs a little bit. But your main obsession is uh, spooky TV in general, but the Twilight Zone specifically, right? Yes. That is my other... The, the, my main three interests in life are dogs, feminism, and spooky TV. <laughs> I love all three of those things. This is great. Uh, but I was thrilled that you wanted to talk about Twilight Zone, because this is going to be the episode that I released right before Halloween. Yes. Love Halloween. Yes, me uh, so too. I'm thrilled to talk about something uh, spooky like the Twilight Zone. So, could you start off by describing the Twilight Zone to someone who has never seen it or heard of it, if such a person exists? Oh, sure. Okay. Um, the Twilight Zone was a TV series from the late '50s into the early mid '60s. Um, I would describe it as a science fiction slash kind of horror show that usually had a uh, kind of moral lesson to teach. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, let's see, it takes place in kind of a world where anything can happen yeah. in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's such a great concept. Like, the Twilight Zone is just a place where weird things happen. It's really smart. It's like, oh, I didn't happen here. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Why didn't I think of this? Yeah, it's, it's not always a place where people physically sort of go. Sometimes it's sort of the story of, like, they're in an alternate reality. Right. But sometimes they're just... They're the only ones who see the alternate reality. Right, exactly. Yeah. Anything can happen, man. But it's presented with that great sort of, you know, from Rod Serling, that great uh, almost authoritarian sort of 50s man. Oh, yeah. Of, this is the truth. This oh, is totally. science. But not really at all. Yeah, it totally is. <laughs> this is bullshit science. <laughs> well, then at the end they go like, well, anyway, that's what happens in the Twilight Zone. And it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that he had actually ended it that way. Some well, of the episodes, anyway. <laughs> some of, like, I think the thing that's fun about the Twilight Zone is that some episodes are great and some episodes are terrible because there's just so many of them. Yeah. And I do feel like at the end of some of them, they're like, their ending is like, well, anything can happen in the Twilight Zone. And it's like, okay, that's a little bit of a cop-out. Yeah, uh, I, I watched a bunch of episodes because I saw them uh, like when I was a kid, but I haven't mm -hmm. really watched them as an adult on purpose. Uh, oh. And I watched a couple of the classics, and then I watched a couple of just random episodes, and there was one like that that was like, and then <laughs> some other things happened to Guy, whoever this guy was we'd listen to, and well, that's what's going to happen in places like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs> 
how much did you get paid to write that it's like, oh man but also he wrote so many of them yeah. that you kind of get it like if you just watch a random episode it's like okay if he if he was burned out from writing i get it because <laughs> yeah. he wrote like some insane in the like a hundred something episodes of them yeah. It's crazy. Like, he wrote more than half of them, right? Yeah, easily. Wow, that's insane. So what, what was your first experience of it? Like, how long, how young were you when you first became hooked on The Twilight Zone? Um, the interesting thing is I actually don't really remember it from my childhood, which I know a lot of people do. Um, for some reason, I became interested in it as an adult. Um, my ex-boyfriend and I actually, at some point, I don't know why we decided to do this, but we decided to sit down and watch them all in chronological order. Okay. Which, if you've never seen The Twilight Zone, you don't actually have to do, because they're all, like, little vignettes, so uh, you don't have to watch them chronologically. But we did. We did not make it through all of them. (laughs) We got to, like, season four. There's so many. On Netflix, there's, like, a hundred and something episodes. Okay. Um, I wish I could remember why. I think it was around Halloween, and I am just interested in, like, I don't really like the startly kind of Halloween things, like um, haunted houses that, like, jump out and scare you, that kind of stuff. But I like, like, atmosphere spheric spooky stuff yeah so i think that's what kind of sparked my interest in the twilight zone yeah and i think that's like the difference between spooky and scary like those actual words are different yeah that's a good point <laughs> uh in scary yeah is stupid teens dressed up as a mummy jumping out at you right <laughs> in a haunted house which is not my bag me neither but yeah i love the spooky atmospheric and I, the twilight zone is so strangely effective at that i think it's partially like the music and also like yeah that that morality behind it yeah, that you're totally. You're talking about that. It's not. I, there's like some creeping fear that you are somehow responsible for. Yeah. What has happened in the Twilight Zone, or if you do something bad, you could end up having a bad Twilight Zone experience. Oh, totally. <laughs> and like some of them, I think reality is just a little bit different, and that's like very disturbing. Yeah. It's almost our world, but not quite. Yeah, the sort of uncanny valley. Yeah, exactly. Reality sort of thing. Yeah. 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 So does watching the show, especially when you watched a bunch of it in order, did it stress you out? Uh, no. <laughs> um, no. Let's see, I'm trying to think. We would sit and probably watch, like, four in a row. It wouldn't stress me out. It would usually, like, I feel like if you sit and watch, like, four Twilight Zones, there's going to be, like, ooh, two to three good ones. Yeah. Maybe a bad one. <laughs> like, every few episodes, there is one where it's, like, what is this supposed to teach me? Or, like, what? This is so boring. Uh, um, I feel like... No, I, I wasn't stressed out. I just love them. I just would be entertained by them. Okay, so you could just gobble it up like candy. I can, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I asked because I watched the William Shatner episode, the famous gremlin. That one is pretty stressful. And that one was like, and I admittedly was already having like a really stressed out day. Oh. And it was like, <laughs> I can't get all of the things on my to-do list done. I'm going to take a break and, and prep for this podcast. And oh. Just watch an episode of Jesus Christ. Uh, that one that? is really stressful, I will say. Yeah, it's the, the famous Shatner seeing the gremlin on the wing of the plane and nobody believing him. And Shatner's really, really effective at playing the guy who's had a recent mental breakdown. Yeah, he was great in that. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, um, weirdly hadn't seen that episode until very recently. I started watching Twilight Zone again with my friend Matt, and, um, I realized I had never seen that one, even though it's so iconic. I'd seen it parodied a million times, Uh but, um, so I actually watched that one just a couple of weeks ago, and it's great. It is, it is really, really stressful. Yeah. 
But also, there's a, the gremlin is almost effective. It's <laughs> a scary thing. Yeah, it, almost. <laughs> the the face is scary, but then it's kind of like a big furry. Like you just kind of want to hug it. Like yeah, you could see it as like a costume character at a mall or something. Yeah, it is. Like, it is clearly just like a guy in a suit and like a a very like furry suit. Uh huh. Like, I think gremlin <laughs> is even kind of a weird way to describe that character because it's like. Well, we always do, but it's like, it's kind of just like a big furry guy. It almost looks like a, a Bigfoot type thing. Yeah. There must be some specific myth that they were going after that the writer was interested in. Because right. Because I think there is a part where Shatner's character is like searching for, what is it? Like, I've heard of these. It's a gremlin. Like, yeah, what? I think you're right. I think that sometimes I think there might be references that maybe you were a little more familiar to people back then. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I'm guessing at that one, but um, every once in a while, I'm like, I don't know what that means, and maybe it's something that people knew <laughs> more <fun>. familiarly. <laughs> yeah, watching a show that's now as old as Twilight Zone, we're like, that could be like an important cultural thing that I don't know. Right. Or the writer just pulled that out of their ass. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice on that episode also, uh, they when they brought... Um, when they brought drinks to the plane passengers, they were in, like, little paper bags. Yes. They weren't in plastic cups. That stressed me out, too. Yeah, it was like, weird. If I was on a plane and already stressed, and then my water was in a, like, just a <laughs> like paper a bag. bag. <laughs> that was so, like, so weird. so gross. So weird, but I guess, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess, like, uh, disposable plastic wasn't really widespread back then. Yeah. But it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird to watch all those cultural artifacts too. Yeah. He tries to he tries to light up. He tries to smoke a cigarette right <laughs> away to deal with his crazy. stress, which you're used to on a plane. So it's like okay, and that was the first thing that stressed me out. Is like okay, that's weird because we can't smoke on planes right. anymore, and, and you know probably shouldn't. Uh, but then he immediately is told to put it away. Right. And I was like, oh, just let Shatter smoke. <laughs> he needs a release. Let like, this guy smoke on a plane. <laughs> Come on, it's the fifties, guys. Yeah. Sixties at that point. Um, <laughs> So, have you ever had, like, a real-life experience, especially when you were watching them all back-to-back, where you feel felt like, maybe I'm in the Twilight Zone? Did it get into you that way, where it changed your perception of reality? Good question. Um, God, I, my disappointing answer is not really. <laughs> I have definitely watched them. I've watched them by myself before bed, and, like been embarrassed to admit that I was, like, a little spooked out to go okay. to bed. In, in, like, kind of a general sense, though. Yeah. Just because, like, a lot of them are so good at being atmospheric. And uh, especially if there's ones about ghosts, those always scare me the most. Or, like, ghost hitchhikers are very scary to me. And that's a big, like, hitchhiking is a big theme in the Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Like, every fourth so. episode. <laughs> right. So the the freeways are relatively new. So when that's being true. written, so that they're probably thinking through, like, what are the dangers of this great new thing? That's true. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hitchhiker stories are super creepy, and yeah. ghosts are super creepy. I haven't watched any of the ghost hitchhiker ones. So, do you have? Would you have like ghost hitchhiker dreams, or would that uh, affect you? God, good question. I, I have. I am not a person who usually has dreams that are relevant to my life. Weirdly, weirdly, mm-hmm. I have dreams. A lot of times, they're about like people I kind of knew 10 years ago okay. or like really like weird stuff where I, it's never about something I was like thinking about that day. Okay. Um, so I, I've never had dreams about it, but I have been like a little spooked out and like gathered my dog close to me to like <laughs> comfort oh, me. Oh, I see. I see. You have, a, you have a dog safety blanket. Well, I mean, she's like a 15 pound dog. She doesn't really do that much and she gets kind of annoyed when I'm like, comfort me. <laughs> I saw a ghost hitchhiker. Yeah. Somewhere. She's like, this isn't my job. You're an adult. <laughs> well, what I think we're learning is that you are far more mentally stable than I am. Well, that's very kind of you. Um... <laughs> 
but I well I am I'm with you though that the the um, maybe it's just that I've seen enough of them now. Like if I watch one like a one off and it's stressful like that, yeah. I'll totally be stressed. But I feel like when you sit and watch enough of them, like it averages out to like a comfortable mild spookiness. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Right. You get used to it. Yeah. 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 That, that makes total sense. Um, what do you think an episode of The Twilight Zone would look like based on? Like modern times, like clearly they were dealing with some anxieties of the time. Sure. Um, both in in the actual themes and the like, the location of planes and highways. Uh, what what do you think it would look like with modern things like LinkedIn or Tinder or? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, I've actually heard. Have you seen uh, Black Mirror? No, I have. Show. Yet. I've only seen a few episodes, but I have heard it compared to a modern day Twilight Zone. Oh, cool! Which I think is um, fair in some ways, for sure. Um, and I have only seen a couple episodes. I wish I could speak to it more. But um, it is kind of like little. I would almost say like morality plays. Um, I'm trying to think what other what topics I think it would tackle today. I definitely think it would be fearful of the internet. <laughs> um, and I think it would be like Rod Sterling is critical of uh, critical of like communist paranoia and right. McCarthyism back then. I think he would be critical today of like the war on terror and that kind of thing. Um, and maybe like general xenophobia. Yeah, I feel like he was like fairly progressive for the day. And I feel like a lot of the Twilight Zone episodes are about like a. Uh, like neighbors turning on one another and how, you know, that kind of brings their downfall ultimately. Yeah. So I could see that relating to xenophobia, war on terror, Islamophobia type stuff today. Yeah. That'd be my yeah. guess. Uh, you know, I haven't seen Black Mirror, so I, I should give that a shot. Yeah, One great. of the interesting things about Twilight Zone to me is, like, in the 50s and 60s, you could still do that sort of beat-you-over-the-head allegory. Yes. Like, uh, you know, I, I watched the, the one, I can't remember what it's called, like, the Maple Street. Uh, oh yeah, monsters are coming to Maple Street, right? Yeah, monsters yeah. are coming to Maple Street, and it was clearly, clearly beat you over the head allegory. Oh yeah, about the fear of communism, right? And McCarthyism. <laughs> uh, and I just don't know if we could do that level of allegory. I know that is true. It, it is like kind of ham-fisted sometimes by today's standards. Yeah. Um, something that's interesting about it is that like the one of the reasons it is so allegorical is that um, he couldn't get away with. Um, anything really explicit, not explicit, but like not explicit in like a sexy graphic yeah. way, but like explicitly about, you know, like cultural criticism, um, because their sponsors would be like, no, 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 no. Um, and so he did have, like, I was reading about this actually, uh, he did have like earlier shows that got, um, really like, uh, kind of pulverized by like, um, producers and sponsors because they thought it was too kind of political and they didn't, okay. you know, like, like American tobacco literally like said like, no, 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 this isn't good. <laughs> and he was frustrated by that, Rod Sterling. Um, so he turned to these kind of allegories to make it less, <laughs> interestingly, less obvious. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's so obvious to us today. I don't think you could get away with quite that level. Yeah. I think it has to be more subtle today. Like, how would you even try to mask, like, well, we're concerned about Tinder, about that, <laughs> like, that fear of changing social values suddenly. Right. Of, of how we communicate and how you, how a romantic relationship works. So, right. how do we set up an allegory like that, that people don't just go, like, this is, uh, it's Tinder, but with the robots in the future for I know. some reason. It's Tinder, but William Shatner's scared for some reason. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> it's a good question. I, I do think, I think back then it was a lot more um, groundbreaking and new and there was nothing like that on TV. Yeah. And now, I mean, 50 years later, we've seen so many movies and so much TV and it, it, I think we're a much more difficult audience to please now. Yes, I yes. certainly am. I mean, if someone made that today, I would roll my eyes real hard at it. Yeah. So I think it would be harder and it would have to be a lot more subtle. So what is Black Mirror like? Is it, is it Are there elements of allegory in it, or is it just spooky, or is it relevant? Um, it is, and I, I really wish... I've only seen, like, two episodes. I wish I'd seen more of it. Um, Charlie Brooker is the guy behind it, um, and he's a big kind of, like, cultural critic. He's done shows like... Um, Games wipe and like some other kind of wipe where he just like okay. t talks about like um, analyzes like uh, pop culture and awesome. like video games or TV shows or what have you. Um, so this is uh, fiction and it is like largely allegorical. Um, I'm trying to think the one that sticks in my mind. The one that sticks in my mind was kind of like a parody of like reality TV. Okay. Um, and yeah, so stuff like that. But it actually was very. It was very heightened, so, like, the world they lived in was, like, you know, way more insane than ours, and yeah. I kind of think that's why it worked. Okay. Because it wasn't close enough to our world that the allegory was, like, too hit you over the head. Yeah, maybe that's the, the difference now that we're so meta and, ma and, and aware of everything. Yeah. That you can't do that sort of allegory of... It's a simple town with right. these things going on. It's more like, it's a fucking crazy town. Yeah, maybe that is a difference. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I feel like maybe, like, mashups have taken the place of allegory. Yeah, maybe. It's sort of like, it's communism. Right. But on your street. Right. together. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you ever want someone, a Rod Serling-like character, to narrate your life? Ooh, for, like, a day, it'd be really funny. I, not for the rest of my life. <laughs> I do think Rod Sterling. It is like my favorite moment in Twilight Zone. They'll have a, they'll have a cold open usually, and then it like pans to Rod Sterling, who was just there smoking a cigarette the whole time, <laughs> and he's like, "Picture, if you will, or whatever." And it's so funny because it's so weird that like it's like, what were you doing? You were just sitting there, yeah, kind of staring and judging, <laughs> yeah, smoking your many many cigarettes. <laughs> uh, I would love that for a day. And then I'd be like, all right, that's enough, Rod Sterling. Yeah. It'd be so funny, but then, like, it'd be exhausting. <laughs> Do you think he would judge specific parts of your life? Because there's, yes. there's a sense of judgment about it <laughs> yes. that the idiots involved sort of could have somehow got themselves out of this predicament. Yeah, I definitely think so. I definitely think it's a, it's a very, like... Um, it's like, this was your fault, American public. And, like, <laughs> I feel like he kind of, like, removes himself from that, which isn't fair, because it's like, you're a part of this culture, too, Rod Sterling. Yeah. But I definitely think that, like, I would feel very judged if I just, like, stopped for fast food or something. I feel like <laughs> he would not be into that. He would narrate it in a very over-the-top way. And I'd be like, shut up, I had a long day. Just let me eat this fast food. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I had never really noticed, because I thought of him as a narrator, that that's very specific, that he's not in the action. So if he was going to judge you at a fast food place, it's not like he would be the person serving you at the drive-thru window. Right. He'd be, like, in another car looking at you, shaking yeah. his head on the street, like, removed from the situation. <laughs> Which is, like, even worse. Like, shut up, guy in the next car. <laughs> I would be so annoyed. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing in this parking lot, weirdo? Yeah. yeah like, why are, you, why are you blameless in this? <laughs> it is funny. I do feel like he's, like, for shame, America. And it's like, hey, man, you're part of this country, too. Yeah, you got a you gotta show here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I find that so fascinating with, you know, there, there's something just really alluring as a writer. I know you're a writer too, that idea of, hey, I want to write a show. And then some people are like, why don't you narrate it too? 
Why don't you make it an on-camera gig too? And you yeah. Wear a sweet suit and smoke. I'm like, <laughs> smoking's not good. I don't want to do it. But I used to be a smoker many, many years ago. Oh. And it's something that just about like, man. I would have really liked to be Rod Serling. Yeah, it's like, a pretty sweet gig and a weird one that I don't think we have an equivalent today. And to be fair, I think even back then it was still um, unusual because he had so much creative control and he yeah. was such a huge, huge part of that show, uh, both on camera and off. Uh, I don't think we have anything like that today. No, where people just get to totally run their own thing like that and make it so unique. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Is yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, I mean, maybe some some of the big talk show hosts yeah. have a little bit of that kind of control. Or like Amy Schumer, maybe? I don't, maybe. I don't know if it's quite to that degree, though. But I think people feel like they're, no matter how creative and awesome they are, they're, they're kind of in the machine. Yeah. Because that's the way it works. And I, I, it seems like Serling saw himself as an outsider. Yeah. Who was riding the wave while he was having the right sponsors and the right, you know, network to let him do what he wants. So I think, I think so. he maybe saw himself as an outsider, like, yeah. even though he was in the machine. And I don't think we have that as much anymore. Yeah, that's very true. Maybe more with... I feel like he was, like, very much in, like, a tour a little bit. Yeah. And, like, maybe we have that more with films now than we yeah. do with TV. Or, like, yeah, like, well, like, Lynch with Twin Peaks. Especially, yeah. like, this last go-around where it's coming back and he was just, oh, like, beautifully good... sort of like, uh, no, give me this much money or I'm just going to leave. Yeah, actually, that's a really good comparison. Yeah. And he, he's a nice and spooky, like Sterling, and also wears yeah. nice suits and smokes. My That's God, true. David Lynch is Ron Sterling. Makes so much sense, but, but much more into transcendental meditation than I assumed Sterling was. It seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't seem like a meditating guy. Now you will watch me meditate. I'll do it quickly and fiercely in a judgmental way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> judgmental meditation. I don't by Ron Sterling. Watching me meditate, I feel like he would be very judgmental of it. Are you on a higher plane? I didn't think so. <laughs> Uh, I think the show is very, very funny, uh, sometimes from a removed uh, modern perspective, but I think sometimes purposefully mm-hmm. of the time. Uh, what do you, as a comedy writer, what do you think the sort of intersection of funny and spooky is for you? Do you like when they overlap? Do you feel like they go together well? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I like when they overlap. Um, and I do think they go together well because I think that a little bit of comedy is necessary to relieve that tension of a spooky atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and I like that little bit, little break that kind of like brings you back to reality almost. And then I feel like that lets you get back into the spookiness more. I think a little comedic relief is kind of necessary for stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you written stuff uh, as a comedy writer that tries to combine the comedy and the spooky? I'm just barely starting right now. I am okay. writing. It's a it's a cartoon um, that combines like um, funny and cute dogs. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> but they have to solve uh, mysteries together in a kind of similar to Twilight Zone spooky world. Oh, that's awesome! Well, it's not. I'm like I have a page in. Uh, it's going very so far. <laughs> uh, but it is. Yeah, the first thing I've tried to write that combines spookiness and comedy but it's also for kids so yeah. it's kind of difficult <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah but i think spooky is really good for kids yeah i, I mean different it. than scary different than gore right but i don't know i think there's some power i've been thinking about this a lot with is halloween comes up because yeah. I like halloween there's just some there's some power in i think being honest that a part parts of the world are dark yeah i think that's why i've always liked it as a kid why i've gravitated towards it 
uh, towards the spooky stuff because it feels honest. It's a good. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. I definitely do feel like I've always been drawn to like spooky cartoons as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, like the Sleepy Hollow cartoon is one that comes to mind <laughs> that I know is kind of a favorite and still one of my favorites. Um, yeah. Last year, actually around Halloween, I went to uh, the Cine Family, which is this cool theater here in LA that shows a bunch of like old and interesting and uh, obscure films and stuff like that um it was a collection of old halloween cartoons awesome so from like 1920 up until i don't know the 80s uh and it was super interesting to see how they combined like spookiness and comedy some of them were real racist uh, <laughs> they're a little racist yeah you know a little racism just for flavor <laughs> um and it was super super interesting some of them were genuinely spooky yeah yeah, I bet. Yeah. Do you know if they're doing that again this year? I, I scoured their calendar and I didn't see it and I was real bummed. Monsters. Center family, if you're listening, we are not happy. <laughs> Please make it happen. It was like the highlight of my year last year. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh, the, the, one of the other things that has fascinated me about Twilight Zone in that era of television is that uh, one having one big sponsor. Yeah. And it's like usually a cigarette or a toiletry of some kind. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Uh, yeah. And it, obviously that's not the way television works today where you're going to get multiple sponsors sure. or just com- the commercial buys. But like for you, for the show that you're working on, if, if it was back in the day and you could have like one big sponsor and it could be, you know, like the Colgate Palmolive mystery dog hour. <laughs> that's, that's what I want. If that's your question. It's that <laughs> mystery dog hour. <laughs> Feel free to take it. It won't work. I don't think. But what kind of sponsor would you want? Like, because it's weird to have to like creatively, like with Rod Sterling being like a you know an independent unique guy, and you're just like, my show is about uh, horror and allegory and fucking toothpaste. Yeah, that that is tough. Um, ooh, it's tough because I feel like it'd have to be a big sponsor. Obviously, it was you know yeah. it was never like some cool like mom and pop <laughs> mom and pop feminism company, which would be like my ideal. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> But it was, um, I actually read, uh, I read something about Rod Sterling, I believe in a show that he wrote pre-Twilight Zone. Um, he got frustrated because his sponsor was American Tobacco, which is hilarious. And, uh, they, uh, he had a scene where someone lit a match and they said, no, take it out. Someone should light a lighter. Oh. Like, or was it American Tobacco? It was either tobacco or it was, like, the lighter company or whatever. Like Zippo or Ronson or yeah, something? Yeah, I mean, that, that makes more sense. That must have been what it was. Um, the company said, like, no, you have to change this little thing because we don't want people to buy matches. We want them to buy lighters. <laughs> and he was super frustrated by that, which yeah. I totally get. Yeah. So that's a weird thing that, like, considering, like, product placement like that, God, I don't know. I mean, ideally, it would be, like... <sighs> A nice company whose values I agree with. Yeah. Costco like, treats their employees very well. <laughs> but I still think that, like, that would bring up issues of, like, no, you can't represent this product in a bad light. Right. I don't know. I feel like you would run into huge problems no matter who it was. Yeah, like, your, your dogs always have to buy things in bulk. You're, <laughs> right. You're sponsored by Costco. They have to buy, like, giant things of dog food. I guess it's not the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'd be okay with it if I had a show and it was still that same era of marketing where it was to our eyes now, clumsy marketing. Right. You know, of just 
a guy or a lady just talking into the camera about how great toothpaste it, you know, like yeah. something sort of, I don't know, creepy and clunky and funny about that. It is. And like in a way, even, even though, even though back then it was more dishonest in that they could make like way more insane claims and get away with yeah. it. I almost think there's something a little more wholesome about just being like, Hey man, this is a good product. You should buy it <laughs> as opposed to like selling a lifestyle. Right. Well, I guess it was still selling lifestyle, but like, as opposed to like very, uh, high production value commercials that are like people laughing and having like there's something so much more just straightforward about being like you know this is a great toothpaste and you should brush your teeth with it yeah and i think that's the angle of like look your teeth got to get brushed right <laughs> so it's us or these assholes right <laughs> you know and that is different than like do you want to be slim and always feel like there's wind in your hair yeah it is then you should different. pump this kind of gas like that has nothing right, to do right. with being slim and wind in your you know right yeah and that and I think that does get sort of corroding to us after a while of just that feeling of we should be away. Right. We can never buy the right things to be that way. Right, exactly. Because you're never actually going to achieve that lifestyle with that gas or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's always going to be elusive and, like, kind of just a little bit out of your grasp. Yeah. But I could buy a tube of toothpaste or, yeah. Ross, or Ron Sterling or whoever <laughs> tells me to buy. Even I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you get a big sponsor for Mystery Dog Hour. Thank you. You get to be Costco Mystery Dog Hour. Oh, man. That would be really great. <laughs> I hope that's what I, I don't know. I've never seen Costco advertise on <laughs> I don't think so. a show like that. But I think I'm going to reach out to them after this. Costco, if you're listening, I am interested. You're probably listening. Head of Costco guy. Mr. Costco. Mr. Costco. That sounds like a family President name. President Costco. It's absolutely a family name. Uh, so when I do these obsessed uh, podcasts, I always read the Wikipedia entry, so I at least know that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was really interested in some of the, the later in the series stuff where various cancellations, network, other networks were interested kind of things. Uh, and it said on Wikipedia that ABC showed interest in bringing Twilight Zone over to the Dare Network, but they wanted to change the name to Witches, Warlocks, and Werewolves. <laughs> it's so much worse. It is. Oh my god. It is really just insulting to the concept of science fiction. <laughs> Not like deep philosophical allegory time, or, you know, interesting sci-fi concept like the Twilight Zone. Witches, Warlocks, and werewolves. When were there ever any of those in the Twilight Zone also? I haven't seen any of those. Yeah, I mean, that seems like somebody who's really... You do the you do the creepy shit, right? Yeah, it sounds like your grandparents <laughs> who, like, don't quite understand what it is you do. Yeah, yeah you play that, like, demons and dice, right? Don't yeah. You play that game? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oof. Yeah, yeah, it's rough. So if, if you had to rename the Twilight Zone, <gasps> if that was your assignment, Oof. in order to bring it back... They're like, Allegra, you can executive produce the Twilight Zone, and you can stand there and be Rod Serling and get paid, but it can't be called the Twilight Zone. Ooh. Can I smoke cigarettes, though? <laughs> sure. Ooh, that's a great question. Oh, man. I wish I had any of the names I can think of. I really like on Futurama, their parody of Twilight Zone is called The Spooky Door, which I think is really funny. <laughs> but I obviously couldn't take that. That's like a, a hilarious kind of like, um, almost but not quite the Twilight Zone. Yeah. I don't know what I call it. It's hard because I feel like the Twilight Zone is such a perfect name. Yeah, but there is, but I think Spooky Door is really funny because it captures that <laughs> era of there's like a portal or a right? hole. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like. The scary hole. <laughs> the scary <laughs> hole. That's, maybe, mm, I'm not sure about that. Maybe I would call it something like uh, portal to the something zone or portal to the something <laughs> world. I think nice. I would put the word portal in there. I think we okay. like portals now. 
Yeah, um, they're big. Portals are hot. Portals are big right now. They're <laughs> flying off the shelves. I would, this is not great. I feel like a broad kind of sellable title, Portal to Another Dimension. I don't love that. Yeah. But I don't love that. I feel like the Twilight Zone is so difficult. I want to call it some sort of zone or area. Like, that's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Oh, you know, I could call it, you could call it the fifth dimension, because that's what they call it. In oh, the, yeah. In the, one of the early intros, they say there's a fifth dimension. That, whatever they say. Yeah. Uh, fifth dimension was pretty good. Yeah, the fifth dimension would be great. Ooh, okay, yeah. settled. Or the fifth dimension hole. No. Fifth dimension, <laughs> no. Fifth dimension hole. Yeah, fifth dimension better. Put a hole in there, I think. <laughs> yeah, because then the hashtag could be 5D. That's nice Ooh. and short. Oh, that's a good hashtag. <laughs> oh, poor Rod Serling is rolling in his grave listening to us talk about hashtags. Yeah, I think he probably would have done an episode about hashtags. Yeah, he would have. But I feel like he would have kind of not quite understood them. No. <laughs> but been, criti- been very critical of them. Yes. But not quite gotten what they're yeah, for. Yeah, I think he would think that uh, social media is dumbing, dumbing us down yes. instead of bringing us together. I think he would take that kind of like a little bit paternalistic view yeah. on it. But yeah, I think it brings us together more than dumbs us down. I'm pro social media. Yeah. Yeah. That's how we met. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, So have you, have you ever seen anything on the wing of a plane? No, I wish I've looked. (laughs) No, but I do think that is a really, really great setup because it is so scary because what could you do? Yeah. It's so scary. And then like to be like, I'm so sure that this thing is happening and no one believes me is such an inherently scary concept yeah and i had never realized that the setup of the episode was that he had already had a breakdown yeah i hadn't either until i saw it a couple weeks ago which is smart real smart because it's like yeah of course of course nobody's gonna yeah it adds all that great tension with his partner where uh she wants to believe him but doesn't at all no i know Uh, yeah and it and that one seems strangely modern for the allegory since we're having so much good conversation about being honest about depression and mental illness and talking about it, that it almost seems like the, like, listen to people and hear what, what they're, what, what's real to them, you know, is a valid discussion to have to sort of bring the ground into the light. Yeah, that's a really interesting interpretation. I guess that's true because he is, guys, cover your ears if you haven't seen it. This is a spoiler, but he is right. <laughs> At the end, yep. there uh, there are, like, claw marks uh, at, on the wing of the plane. Um, so, yeah, that is very true. Um, hear people out, I guess, is the, is the message of that. Yeah. Listen to William Shatner. Listen to uh, him, yeah. Would you be freaked out if you saw that specific gremlin furry in the world? <laughs> or would it just be like... Oh, in the this, world? Yeah, this, this guy's a joke. Oh, that's tough. Um, I would be a little spooked out because I would associated with the Twilight Zone now. Yeah. But also, it's, like, so clearly a guy in a suit. Like, it seriously does just look like someone outside of, like, Build-A-Bear. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they have those guys, but, I like... I can picture that gremlin with, like, a spinning car wash sign, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, it looks like a very soft, furry, like, huggable suit. <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the context. If only I saw him and I was like, hey, look at that guy, and everyone was like, what guy? Then I would definitely be scared. Yeah. And... <sighs> That'd be scary. Yeah. And almost... I think I would be a little bit more scared because... The thing itself isn't like scary. Yeah, that's, that's a good some, point. Some other like other level of like, I'm really scared of that thing that isn't quite scary. <laughs> that's a good point, and I mean, I mean, maybe that's the kind of same thing as like um, uh, another another big threat in the Twilight Zone dummies, uh, which oh, I feel like yeah. are not inherently scary. They are another thing that's like, well, that's like innocent on its own. But then there's usually one person who sees it talk 
or sees a yeah. friend's head or something like that. Yeah, the kind of thing that sometimes has life, but shouldn't. Yeah, exactly. And the scary part is that it's like, oh, this thing isn't inherently scary, but I'm the only one witnessing that. Yeah. It's really scary. Yeah. I kind of find ventriloquist dummy scary. See, I do now also, but I wonder if that's because of this. And I, I don't know if the Twilight Zone was the first to really do the scary dummy thing. Yeah. But I definitely feel like now we're, we have like a scary dummy motif, <laughs> but I don't know, like, pre-Twilight Zone, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. Yeah. Because I feel like we can't now divorce ourselves from having seen all that stuff. And same with, like, scary children and that kind of thing. Yeah. You know. I think about that a lot uh, around Halloween time, of what things are inherently frightening to us because they get into some sort of uncanny valley psychology. Yeah. Or some deep memory of something that actually was a threat to humanity. Right. Uh, you know, way back in our, in our DNA. Um, versus just being conditioned. Yeah, it's and it's really it's really you can't know. It's it's so crazy. Yeah. Well, what do you think about clowns? Do you think clowns are inherently scary or do you think we've conditioned ourselves to be frightened of clowns? Uh, I think condition. And I actually think that is another one like I would say dummies and children that <laughs> someone at some point took and said, "Okay, this is like a symbol of innocence and joy." It would be so scary if this were to be scary. And again, I don't know. I wish I could like cite who the first scary clown was, but like, I feel like that is one of those things. It's like, uh, oh, you thought this thing was safe? No, it's scary. Right. And that changed our whole thing uh, to be like, oh, never mind. You know, like now, now this thing that is potentially like joyful yeah. or innocent is a threat. I feel like that's a whole other thing that's that's scary. Yeah, like I and I also think uh, about like cornfields, like not an, yeah. not a person or an object, but like environments. Yeah, that's like cornfields are terrifying to me, and I they think there's some like depth of like you're out there and it's open, but you're anything could be in there in the cornfield. Yes, but also I feel like I'm really conditioned by like you know. Children in the corn with the corn. Children, Children of the corn. corn. Children of the corn. Children eating I, corn. I knew I was getting, Remember that terrifying movie? Children with the corn is a lot less scary. <laughs> corn is for dinner. Uh, no, I definitely do. I mean, I agree, and it's so hard to tease out, you know, like anything with culture, we'll never really know what is right. inborn and what is uh, learned. But I do, I do think there's something that feels primal about, like, large open spaces, but where we can't find our footing well, or we can't see past, you know, yeah. the corn stalk in front of us and anything could happen. I definitely think that's one of those things that was tapped into in early horror that, uh, we're all kind of deep down a little bit afraid of. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's scary. I think, I think that to me is a different scary trope than like the children clown dummy thing. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's weird to just live in such a, a generation of being so saturated. Yeah. Where everything, you know, and I, I'm certainly guilty of this, where I have, like, what should be really uh, interesting experiences with the world, with things I haven't seen before. Like, oh, that reminds me of my James Bond video game. Yeah, like, I know. Isn't I shot weird? a guy there. <laughs> By this beautiful river in Paris. I shot a guy there once. Right. Like, yeah, I've been here. <laughs> I should probably just enjoy this beautiful river in Paris. But I'm yeah. Busy. Yeah. Ooh, such a, it's a blessing and a curse to be alive in 2015. <laughs> it sure is. Uh, so, I, well, you, you kind of already answered this question. I was going to ask you what would a Twilight Zone uh, for dogs look like, but it sounds like you're kind of working on that. Well, to be fair, uh, 
um, they, they aren't super dog specific scenarios that I've come up with. It's kind of that like the dogs have to save the humans from this world that they don't know they're a part of. Oh, cool. It's very spooky. <laughs> with the one page, very spooky so far. <laughs> um, God, what, what a Twilight Zone for dog. Oh, I know. Okay. It would definitely involve... It would definitely involve evil squirrels because I feel like, yeah, I feel like squirrels are always tormenting dogs and they're just out of their reach and dogs really hate that. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if squirrels were doing something that was like legitimately dangerous or like controlling the world somehow, first of all, (laughs) dogs would try to alert us by barking and we'd be like, shut up, stop barking at that squirrel. Right. Um... And they would always just be like, they're kind of like elusive to dog. Dogs always want to get them, but they're they're too high they're up. Just out of reach. Yeah, they're yeah. just out of reach. I feel like that'd be so frustrating and scary for a dog. Yeah. And other, I mean, there'd be a lot of scenarios, I think, dogs trying to tell us something and us being like, shut up, stop barking. Yeah. Big one. Maybe that's going on now. There's a lot of times where my <laughs> dog just barks and I'm like, what are you doing? Maybe there's a ghost or something. Oh, yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, there's a lot of stuff where I'm just like, I have no idea why you're barking and I'm just annoyed at you. Yeah, and you're you're like a dog whisperer. Like, you know dogs, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I like to think of myself. Yeah, I really do. And, like, there's plenty of times I can figure out why she's barking, but there's, like, a lot when I can't figure it out. Wow. Yeah. Definitely ghosts. That's like, I, I really like that, uh, the squirrel idea in particular. I, I have a bit of an obsession with squirrels. Oh, you do? I didn't oh, know that. Yes, I really like squirrels. Oh. Because they're, they're... they're like kind of noble, but they're also <laughs> utterly absurd. They're Why are they noble? Like, I, I just think they're they're very like focused on what they're doing, and yeah. like they get distracted, but then they're right back, and they just like they've got goals, and they're getting to them, and they're uh, yeah, and and just obviously they get hit by cars or whatever, but they they, <laughs> they navigate the world really quite well too. Of like yeah, oh if somebody is uh, trying to approach me and I don't like it, I'm gone. That's true. I'm in the tree. Uh, yeah. yeah, so a lot, I mean, and they're just, yeah, they're just absurd. I just love them. And uh, so cute. Early in my comedy career, I, I uh, dressed up as a squirrel, and I, I still have a squirrel costume that I brought with me to really? Los Angeles. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I got a whole squirrel thing going on. <laughs> uh, but I, it just, it seems like a really 1950s thing that, like, the squirrels are building an atom bomb in the tree. <laughs> yeah, and they can't tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, and the dogs are barking, and it seems like something like that Rod Sterling would judge us on of, like, Yes. The dogs have been telling us about the squirrel's atom bomb, well, but we you. do not listen. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm very flattered that you think that is a Rod Sterling judgment worthy idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so my last uh, general Twilight Zone question is, if somebody just watched nothing but the Twilight Zone for 24 hours, Oof. what? how would that affect their outlook? What would that do to people? Oh, oh man. I should do this. I should have done this in, as an experiment and come in just crazy. <laughs> Thank <laughs> oh, you for man. not doing that. Yeah, that's probably better. <laughs> I just showed up wild-eyed. <laughs> you know there are ghosts in every podcast <laughs> yeah. recording. And also for those listening, I had not met Joseph in person before today. <laughs> he would have been like, oh, great. Uh, come on in. Um, gosh, I think it would make you exhausted. I think it would make you kind of cynical about the world. Um because you would have to watch... I mean, I, I do think a lot of these allegories still hold true today. Like, mm-hmm. Monsters Are Coming to Maple Street is clearly about communism, but it's still applicable to paranoia in general and, like, xenophobia, like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, which... just turning on each other for very small reasons. Exactly, yeah. That's always something, I feel like, um, is, like, a theme that we'll never get away from. Um I think it would make you cynical and spooked out that nothing is as it seems. Yes. Because like we talked about before, something that's big in Twilight Zone is that like everything seems normal until one little thing is off. 
And then you go like, wait a minute, is that real? Am I crazy? Right. Is the world as I think it is? So you'd always be waiting for like the twist at the end. Yes. And especially uncomfortable in normal circumstances. Right. Like going to Starbucks and like getting your normal order and just like, you know that at the end of it, it's not going to come out right. Right, right. Something's going to be wrong. You or know? if something seems like a little off that maybe you would normally ignore, like... I don't know, like, a guy is, like, or, like, oh, here's another one. Another big theme in Twilight Zone is that, like, like a, maybe, like, a derelict is, like, talking at you, and you would normally kind of just, like, ignore him and go on your yeah. way. But, you don't know, maybe he's the only sane one in this world. <laughs> like, stuff like that, I feel like, is, like, don't, don't ignore things and don't trust that everything is as it seems. Yeah. I feel like you would just be on guard all the time. It would be really exhausting. Yeah, right. So, in a small dose, that's great. Just yes. for mental health to be just, like... Be sure to look under the surface and think things through. Yes. But in a large dose, it's just terrible paranoia. Oh, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't do 12 hours, 24 hours. I think, I'm trying to think, I think even four hours would be a lot. Yeah. <laughs> of any Since show, I, I managed to get stressed out in like 22 minutes. Yeah. Or 24 minutes. Yeah. You're a real sensitive Twilight Zone patient. That's pretty, I don't know, man. I, I definitely don't advise doing that for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to be tough and watch like three in a row. Oh, yeah, you can do that. I think you can do that. I think you can do three in a row. And I'll pick at least one bad one. Well, that's the thing. Is that the kind of funny thing is that, like, if you watch two really, like, frightening ones and then one bad one, you kind of go, like, okay. And, like, it kind of brings you back to reality <laughs> where you're like, oh, that was kind of boring. Uh, we, I watched one the other day that was... It was just about these, like, soldiers of the time, like, present day back then, uh, recreating... They, they thought that they... Um, they thought they were in the middle of... What was the war that General... Custer. Oh. Exactly. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, the Civil War? Yeah. Was it the Civil War or the War of 1812? I, I'm sorry, I think, listeners. I don't yeah. know that answer. But they... Custer is the... Yeah, right yeah. General, right? Uh, yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly well, where kinda, he made his last stand. It kinda, yeah, Custer's last stand. So it's like... Basically, these three soldiers were like convinced that they were in Custer's last stand... Because they saw, they were like, he, they knew like a weird amount about Custer. We're like, okay. this is where he saw smoke was like really a thing they, that somehow they all knew. And okay. this is where they were attacked by whatever. And it was like, you guys, who cares? Like nothing happened in the episode. They were just all freaked out. And their general was like, would you stop it? And it was like, just so annoying and boring. <laughs> so it was just like, they were doing some war reenactment. Yeah. But they were like, oh, scary, we think we're here. But yeah. I don't know. It's kind of it's it's mildly scary and like I feel like the whole episode was also based on like Native American yeah. paranoia where they were like they're coming to attack us and it was like you guys uh, it's yeah. not boring and also racist <laughs> so skip the boring racist episode yeah, of Twilight would, Zone yes I would definitely <laughs> recommend skipping Custer's Last Stand <laughs> unless you're like really into war history <laughs> <laughs> awesome so uh, I'm gonna ask you the how obsessed are you questions Ooh. do you think about Twilight Zone every day <gasps> Good question. I, I think around Halloween, yes. Every day of my whole life, probably not. I'm sorry. Yeah, but yeah. around this time, yes. Cool, cool. Would you get a Twilight Zone tattoo? Ooh. I might. I might. Because you're a tattoo person. I see you have a tattoo on your arm. I do. I have two tattoos. If you had said, I was very scared to get my first tattoo, and then okay. I got it, and it wasn't that scared. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I got a second one. I haven't really wanted a third one. I would definitely consider it. Okay. Nothing super over the top. I wouldn't want it to say, the Twilight Zone, <laughs> Rod Sterling. But if it was, like, maybe a little... Brought to you by Colgate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but if it was, like, a little... 
maybe like subtle, uh, interesting reference. Yeah. I would consider it. That actually might be kind of cool. Awesome. Awesome. So would you do uh, like a monster face? Mm, that, that's too. Nah, too much. That's too much. I wouldn't do the gremlin on the wing. Okay. Too. <laughs> too furry. Dorky. Yeah. Too furry. <laughs> a painful tattoo to get. God, I don't know. I'm trying to think. What would be one that wouldn't be like obvious? I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want people to be like, oh, that's obviously like Rod Sterling's face. Uh, although that would be really cool. <laughs> I wish I was enough of a badass to just get that like on my chest. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of like what's a little symbol of it. I don't know. Maybe yeah. something like not this, but something like this, like the plane wing with oh. like the scratches. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, with the turned up. Yeah, yeah, like something like that that's a little more like you don't recognize it at first. Yeah, I like touches really cool. like that. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, would you discuss the Twilight Zone with Hitler? Ooh. Does that, as opposed to like telling him he should stop? <laughs> like, can I also tell him I think he's like a bad yeah, guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you can lead with that. God, I guess so. I mean, I guess if it didn't like change the course of history to make it even worse? <laughs> this is a dicey question. Yeah. I don't see any reason not to unless it prohibited me from... Unless my thing was like I was going to stop him and then I just talked about Twilight Zone for so yeah. long that I didn't stop him. Yeah, I don't you, want that to happen. <laughs> yes. You tell him you could learn some lessons from the Twilight Zone. Yeah, become that's a better true. person. Actually, maybe I would because also Twilight Zone was like still fresh enough out of World War II that there still are a lot of like... Um, episodes whose moral is the Nazis were bad, which is like a little uh, hilariously on the nose for now. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they weren't that far out of it no. back then. And I think around the late 50s, early 60s, I, was, I think the time where the generation was trying to, who had fought World War II, was trying to just kind of put that out of their mind and have kids, have family, build the suburbs, have fun, go to Las Vegas. Right. So yeah, so I can see a guy like Rod Serling going like, but don't forget. Yeah, man. Yeah. Would you read or write Twilight Zone slash fiction? Oh, slash fiction? Yeah. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I've actually never looked to read it. Well, but who would be the slash people? Cause it's yeah, I don't know. Is like someone? It's Shatner. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I, I never have looked into it. Maybe. Yeah. I, I guess it, that exists. Yeah, I'm sure you could mix Twilight Zone with other spooky things or from oh, episode right. to episode. That, yeah. They you know, meet like, each other. I would. I would like to write it. I would like to. I'd like to try. Maybe I'd start with fan fiction. Yeah. Make my way up to slash fiction. <laughs> it sounds good. I like that you say up to slash fiction. So it's not below <laughs> fan fiction. It's above it. Yeah, I don't know why. For some reason, I feel like it would take more practice, but I don't know why I think that. That doesn't make any sense. Would you break up with someone who didn't like the Twilight Zone? <laughs> no. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's a second level obsession. Like, if someone. It's. If someone didn't like dogs, like if they truly, truly did not like dogs, then yes, I would because yeah. that is more pertinent to my like daily life. Right, it's a part of your life. It's a part of my life. It's like a real thing as opposed to like a media interest. Mm, Twilight Zone, if they just said like, I'm sorry, man, I can't get into it, I would say, you know, that's okay. Yeah, I'll watch when you're not around. That's fine. Yeah, and like I've dated plenty of people who I'm like, oh, we like this media interest or that we don't share. Yeah. I feel like when it's media, it's not the end of the world to me. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's good to hear because I think a lot of us are uh, <laughs> super, super, super into media. Yeah. So it's nice to be able to have some things where you're like, this means a lot to me and it's become part of my identity, but this is just a show I enjoy sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. I also wouldn't want them to be like, slow me down if I want to just like marathon it. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, no, no, no. like let me do this on my own. I need my Twilight Zone space. <laughs> you go out of town for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to the Twilight Zone. <laughs> Uh, would you swear to none over the Twilight Zone? 
a circumstance. Like the nun just walks up to you out of the blue and just says hateful things about the Twilight Zone. Oh. Would you get into it with the nun? I would get into it. I would try not to swear. <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would get into it with a nun. I don't care. I mean, I would... Well, here's the thing. Is I would want to lay out some well-constructed arguments for why the Twilight Zone is good. I would hope not to devolve into swearing because I would want it to be a more intelligent conversation than right. that. But yes, I would definitely get into it with a nun. So if you are a nun who's listening, do not think you're off the hook. If you're one of those nuns who run Costco. <laughs> you are listening. Yeah. <laughs> would you dress up or cosplay as just the concept of the Twilight Zone? <laughs> like, like a giant spiral like in the beginning? <laughs> yeah, sure. Ooh. I've never been a cosplay person. Um, ooh. But for Halloween... Maybe for Halloween, if I could somehow communicate that I'm dressed up as the entire zone, which seems difficult. Yes. God, the the spiral in the beginning of the later episodes is kind of iconic. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if you wore it about town and people would be like, oh, that's the Twilight Zone. <laughs> they might, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I would be willing to do it. Do you dress up for Halloween anyway? Sometimes I do, yeah. yeah. I do for Halloween. I'm not, I'm not a, yeah, I don't do cosplay stuff, but I do like to dress up for Halloween. Do you dress up as just like, I'm a vampire, or do you go like high concept? Kind of, I don't usually do just high vampire, just high vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it here. Uh, a high vampire is a great, <laughs> that, maybe that's a great new costume, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't usually do either high concept or super general. I, I haven't dressed up the last couple of years, I'll be honest with you, but um, I like to dress up as old-timey guys sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Or just, like, somewhat effeminate guys. I, I dressed up as Charlie Chaplin was one of my favorite oh, costumes, nice, nice. which I might uh, bring back this year for a Halloween party. Um, and then when the year that Twilight came out, I was Edward Cullen, the vampire oh, yeah. from that. So I don't like to do super high concept. Like, I've never won that is, like, you have to like look at it and find a pun or anything like that. Yeah, I would. I would actually love to dress up as Rod Sterling. Like I like to do like little like tribute costumes like that. Yeah, where it's a conversation starter. Yeah, party, right? like in the same way that like Charlie Chaplin. Like I love Charlie Chaplin. It was like a costume where I was like, this is someone I admire. Yeah. Uh, I think a Rod Sterling costume would be really fun. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Uh, so this uh, last question in the How Obsessed Are You? Uh, I ask this of everyone. It's a weird question. Uh, if you couldn't watch Twilight Zone without you or someone you love first being punched in the crotch, would you still watch Twilight <laughs> Zone? Ooh. I'm a girl. I feel like I could take a punch in the crotch. <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't be that bad. Just one? Yeah. I wouldn't inflict it on other people. If I could choose for it to be me, ooh. Yeah. I think I would do it, actually. <laughs> that doesn't sound that bad to me. I don't want to say that. That's a, that's a real careful what you wish for. Twilight Zone lesson. That doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. Oh. It doesn't sound great, but if it was like, how often? Is it one punch per episode? Uh, well, let's say uh, per viewing. Uh, so you could, we oh. could watch as many as you wanted. So you, one punch, watch five episodes. Okay. Yeah, I would say I wouldn't inflict it on someone I love, but if it was on me, I'd take it. <laughs> awesome. I think I would answer differently if I was a guy. But <laughs> I do it. Uh, a lot of guys still go for it. Really? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I like about this podcast is like uh, over the course of all the episodes, there's just different ideas of what obsession means. Yeah. Uh, you know, because we, we run our lives differently and there's some people like, yes, this is totally my identity. Anything for this, I will do it. And other people are like, this is a show I really like. Right. <laughs> and I think that both of those things are 
obsession, but like different kinds. Yeah, you know? I agree with you. Uh, which is why I like asking these how obsessed are you questions, because sometimes people are just like, yes, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah, no problem, I'll do that, yep, yep. Interesting. Uh, people are much more measured and, and thoughtful, uh, yeah, but I've never really thought this question is like a great little Twilight Zone episode, like, <gasps> welcome to Twilight Zone. Yeah, man. You've entered a world where you can't do anything you like without first being punched in the crotch. Oh, it's totally Twilight Zone. <laughs> Uh, so I asked people to make a noise to sum up their obsession uh, with Twilight Zone. I think you, you probably have some options. <laughs> a noise? Like one yeah. single noise? Yeah. What is a noise uh, to sum up your obsession with the Twilight Zone? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I think it would be a gasp. I think it would be... Because <gasps> I think that <laughs> would represent the, the twists at the end yeah. that you... Sometimes they're coming, but sometimes don't. <laughs> yeah, and when you don't, it's really rewarding. Yeah, and the general spookiness. I think it would be a gasp. Nice. That's a great. That's a great uh, noise for a spooky obsession. <laughs> Thank you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything that you want to plug where people can find you on the internets or doing shows or anything? Sure. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Allegra Ringo. My first name is spelled A L L E G R A. Um, also, you can hear me talking a lot about my obsession with dogs <laughs> on uh, Can I Pet Your Dog, which is on Maximum Fun, and you can find us on Twitter at CIPYD Podcast. Um, yet a third obsession I actually Yay. have that I considered pitching to you is I love the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, cool. And this is a long way off, but uh, if you're around LA on December 14th, I co-wrote a show that's a parody of the uh, Fast and Furious movies. Awesome. That's a long way away, but mark your calendars, guys. Save the date. Monday, December 14th at 530 p.m. at UCB Sunset. That's awesome. That's really cool. Uh, so I have these final questions that don't have anything to do with your obsession, but they, they can if you want. <laughs> if you had the power to set one specific kind of thing on fire with your mind, what would you want to be able to set on fire? Ooh. Like out of hate? Like something I hate? Or something that just needs to burn. It could be candles. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, that's tough. Boy, the sponsor from the Twilight Zone would hate that. Yeah, ooh. <gasps> Unless they're can unless that's like Yankee Candles and that's yeah. the sponsor's name, then they would like it. Um, that's a great sponsor. <laughs> God, that's a good question. Ooh, I'm like, I don't know, I'm scared I'm scared of fire because it seems too it seems like things get out of control too quickly. Yeah, yeah. I would be scared to be like I hate that bug. I hate bugs. Set that okay. bug on fire. But then I would be scared that it would, like, jump to a tree, and then, like, a whole forest fire would burn. Yeah, and Smokey the Bear would judge you. Yeah, like rats exactly. Uh, oh, I don't know, man. I'm too scared to, like, control fire. You, you can... You can. What What is uh, one thing that you would like to uh, extinguish fire from? Oh, gosh. Extinguish fire from... Well, I mean, I feel like if I had that kind of power, I would like, I would want to, like, extinct... This is a boring answer, but, like, <laughs> if someone's house was on fire, or if there was, like, the kind of forest fire that isn't that kind that yeah. needs to burn every year or whatever. I think I'm just learning that you're a very kind, good, stable <laughs> <Thank> person. <you. laughs> I don't know. It's not boring at all. It's rare. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if you were a vampire, which thing would you like to transform into the most? A bat, a bunch of rats, or a fine mist? Ooh... What a good question. I like bats as an animal. I think I would like to do fine mist, though, because I feel like if you're a bat, you fly away and people don't like know where you are. Like, you can yeah. trace a bat. Um, but I would love to be able to dissolve into a fine mist because then no one's finding you. Yeah, you can just drift around. Yeah, that's cool. Listen to conversations. Yeah, you could, <laughs> yeah going undetected, I think I would go for fine mist. Yeah, I think it's even better than being invisible. 
because it's moody and people can't bump into you. They just walk through you. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> I just true. love all the weird things that vampires turn into. God, I always forget that they can turn into a fine mist. I, I remember bats and rats. Yeah. But yeah, kind of original Dracula, you know, in novels and early interpretations. Just like, he can turn into anything creepy. Oh, smart. Like, yeah, he could probably turn into, like, the sound effect of a squeaky door. Because he, he can turn into anything creepy. That's a good one. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so the final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Oh, God. Real easy question, I know. Whew. Um, I think happiness is when you feel truly satisfied and at ease and not anxious about your lot in life, whatever it may be. Awesome. That is a great answer. Thank you. So you, do you, you feel like you can watch an episode of Twilight Zone and still feel content? Oh, yeah. And be uh, centered in where you are? I do. Well, and it's hard because I feel like I'm just so, I'm so grateful that Twilight Zone exists. So it's like <laughs> hard to be to I'm always in a good mood after I watch Twilight Zone. Okay. Even if it's spooky and scary, even if it's boring, I'm always grateful that it exists. Yeah. Because it is it's comforting to me also that there is so much of it. Yeah. And it's kind of like a formula that is like sorry Rob Sterling, a little bit predictable. Um I like to like watch an episode I like to sit and watch Twilight Zone and know exactly what I'm getting. Right. And it's like that kind of old-timey comforting, right. but it's really like spooky. A spooky friend you can visit anytime you yeah, want. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but it's not. Yeah, it's not something I'm like scared to do. It's just I'm like, oh, this seems fun, vaguely spooky, but like mostly comforting. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you very much for doing this. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Obsessed.